We've been uh, looking together, haven't we, at this, about the, how you hear the voice of God, the voice of Jesus. I heard about a, a farmer and a businessman that were walking through the city of London, rush hour it was, really busy, and they were walking along together and people were racing everywhere to get their uh, morning coffee and their breakfast bap and all the things that people do, right? And they were, and all of a sudden the farmer stopped and he said, you know what, I can hear a little cricket or a grasshopper somewhere. And the business, you what? Like, it's just noisy. There's cars blaring, everything's going, no, no, shh, shh. And then he started walking over, and he, and he found this big planter outside this office block. And he lifted up the leaf, and underneath, sure enough, there was a little grasshopper, a little cricket sitting there, chirping away. And the guy goes, that's incredible, the business. How, how could you hear that in the midst of all this noise and chaos and busyness and everybody's running around? And he said, let me show you something. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out some change and he dropped it on the pavement. And all these people that were racing around stopped. And they started looking to see where the money had fallen. He said, because it depends what you're listening to as to what you were here. That's what we've been talking about together. If somebody comes and drops a whole load of money on the pavement, we'd all be there, right? Yes? I wouldn't be the only one, surely. I mean, I'd put 10% in the offering, of course, but, you know. But God is speaking all the time. God loves to speak to his children. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation talks to us about how God speaks. And God, it says, continues to speak and speak and speak. Adam and Eve in the garden, he's talking to them right at the very outset. In the end of Revelation, he's still talking. Come, he's saying, come, come, come. And all the pages in between talks to us about how God speaks to us. The question is, not is God speaking, but are we really listening to what God is trying to say to each one of us. And we looked at loads of scriptures that describe how God continues to speak to his children. And we looked at some of the different ways that God speaks through loads of different things, through scripture, through, through peace, through direct voice, through circumstance, through dreams and visions, through the wisdom of others, through miracles, through the natural world, and so on. And there's so many different ways that God likes to speak to his children. Are we listening? And as we, we've been looking together from 1 Samuel chapter 3, the, the story of the boy Samuel, you know when God says, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli because he's, he's not yet tuned in. He can't hear the cricket. He's too busy listening to all the other voices. And so when, when God speaks to him, he doesn't recognize the voice of God. And instead, what he does is he, he runs to Eli, and then finally Eli says, no, it's not me. Maybe this is God speaking to you, so, so you better listen up. God is speaking, and he speaks through many different ways. But then we went on to look at the key thing is, is about location. You need to be where God is to be able to hear him. No good talking if you're not in the same location as God, if you're not listening to where God is. So we need to be with him. And how do we do that? Well, Jesus said to, to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You've got to have that kind of relationship so that you can understand my voice, so that you can hear my voice. Go back to that illustration, you know, when you've, or if you've been out in a restaurant with hundreds of people around you, you only tune into the voices that you know. You don't start listening to everybody else's conversations when somebody across the table is just talking to you, particularly if that's your spouse. Otherwise, you get into trouble, right? What's that? Sorry, sorry. There was a much more interesting conversation on the other table. No, you don't do that. At least you don't admit to it, right? You tune in to the people you tune into, and then the noise is all around you. And the question is, you've got to have that relationship with Jesus first and foremost. If you haven't got the relationship, you're never going to understand his voice when he speaks to you. 
And that's what happened to Samuel. That's why he didn't recognize because he said the word of the Lord hadn't yet come to Samuel. He didn't understand. He didn't know God's voice until a bit later on. And then we need to be still. We need to focus. Focus on that voice and what he's saying to us so that we can then respond. And last time we, or the time before, we looked at how God speaks so often through the Scriptures. That the Scriptures is kind of like God's chat to us. You know, there's different kind of levels of talking, isn't there? You know, like when, we, when you, I chat with Enoch or my wife all the time, right? And, and most of our chat is about just daily stuff. You just talk, don't you? You chit-chat. When you go out for a coffee with someone, you just talk about different stuff that's going on. You know, about the news and about... Wildstone Football Club and that they won against York yesterday, right? All these kind of things. You just talk about kind of trivial stuff in some ways. But it's, it's good stuff to talk about. And when we read the Word, it's kind of like the chit-chat of God. Not that it's trivial, because it isn't, but it's Him talking to us nonstop, day in and day out. And that's why we said, you know, if you read it four or more times during the week, that's when it starts to have an impact because you start to hear it over and over again what God is saying to you. And he keeps talking and talking and talking, and through that, the Spirit starts working in your life and bringing transformation and change. We call that sanctification. That's what God does. And so the Word is so important when we are wanting to, to hear the voice of God so that if you're not in the Word, then when God wants to say something significant to you, you won't recognize His voice because you're not listening to it all the time. You know, there's sometimes when I talk with my wife that it gets deeper conversation. It's not just about what's happening in the world around us. We need to talk, you know, she says, which doesn't really mean we. It means she needs to say something to me, right? You learn that after a while in marriage. We need to talk, meaning, shut up, David, listen, right? Because she wants to say something. But it's something that's serious. It's something that's important. It's something that we need to deal with. It's something that, that goes deeper than just chit-chat and going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when God, God wants to say that to you and to me, it comes out of the fact that we've been reading his word, that we're hearing his voice on a daily basis. And then he says, David something you need to do here. We need to talk. The Scriptures are so important. And then last time we said, you know what? Obedience is a big deal to God. He talks to us when He sees within us an obedient heart that is obedient, that is aligning our lives to where God wants us to go, but is also open to receive when He wants to talk to us. God is not some kind of consultant that we can take it or leave it. When God speaks, he expects us to act. Otherwise, we become disobedient. And there are serious consequences in the Scriptures for the people who were disobedient, right? People of Israel should have taken them three months to get into the promised land. Just a nice little jaunt through the desert. And they should have got there. But instead, what happened? 40 years, they all died out. Why? Because they were disobedient. Because they didn't believe in the promises of God. They didn't believe that. And so God said, you know what? I'm going to let the next generation have all the blessing that you should have had. Disobedience is not a good idea when it comes to God. But I want to look at today is someone else. How do I know when God is speaking? How do I know it's God's voice and not some other voice? Do you remember a few weeks ago we had everybody shouting in a circle? Do you remember that? We were up the front, and, and I think we gave Malika the Bible, didn't we? And, and you had the Bible over there, and somebody was blindfolded. And we said, right, Omar had to, to shout the correct instructions, and everybody else was screaming wrong instructions to this poor fellow who was blindfolded. Notice he's never come back, right? <laughs> So Joe was there, he was like, and he didn't know which way to turn because he couldn't hear Omar's sweet voice amongst all our big loud voices that were telling him to go the wrong way. So how do you know out of all the voices that are around in your head and all around you, how can you know when it's God's voice? 
Well, the thing is, I guess to start with in this is that the more you hear the voice of God, the more you can tell it's His. And the less you'll have to do what I'm going to explain. But still, if it's a big decision, if it's a, David, we need to talk here kind of moment, then this is what you need to do. You need to test the voice. Now, the Bible says, do not put the Lord your God to the test, right? But it also says, when God speaks in different ways, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject all kinds of evil. And in 1 John 4, 1, he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit or every voice that you hear, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The Word tells us to test that voice to make sure that that voice is really the voice of God. Now, when it says do not test the Lord, it means don't, don't do it because you're stalling for time. Don't do it because you don't want to do what God is trying to tell you to do. That's when you put God to the test. What it's saying is, though, that if, if you're not sure, if, you, if this is a big deal, a big decision that needs to be made, if it has big consequences, then God says, test it to make sure. I, I'll be fine with that if you come with the right kind of heart, Right? So if you come with a heart that says, God, I want to do what you're asking me to do, but I want to be really, really sure that this is really you that's speaking to me and not just my own imagination. It's not just some wisdom that I've got or some good idea from somewhere else, but this is really you. Then God says, well, then ask and I'll show you. And there are four tests that we need to put, that we need to do. How do you test the voice of God when you think you've heard from Him? The first test is this. Does it agree with the totality of Scripture? Does it agree with God's Word? If it's outside of God's words, alarm bells should start ringing in your head. I had a guy that came to me years ago. He said, Pastor, he said, God wants me to be happy, right? I'm not happy with my wife and I found another woman, therefore I'm leaving her, and I'm going to go off with this other woman. And I want your blessing. Because God wants me to be happy, right? I was like, oh, my days. They don't train you for this in Bible college. You know that. These moments. I said, I, I don't believe this is God's word for you. This goes right against Scripture, Right? You look at the totality of Scripture. The Scriptures don't say just divorce your wife because you've found someone else that you fancy. Leave your kid because you found someone else you'd rather be with. No, it doesn't say that. So I counseled him against it. I said, no. One, God doesn't want you necessarily to be happy but to have abundant life. There's a difference. But he went ahead and did it anyway. You have to look at the totality of Scripture in its entirety. Does it fit with God's Word? This is the Word of the Lord that we have. This is, if you like, the character of God. Is what I'm about to do what I think God is saying to me, is it in keeping with his character? Is this something that Jesus would do? And if you can't answer yes to that, then alarm bells need to start ringing in your head. If this is not something that Jesus would do, then maybe this is not what God wants you to do at all. Because he will only ask you to do things in keeping with his character. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, yeah? It's useful to teaching, training, rebuking, correcting in righteousness so that the, the, the daughter, the Son of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word is there for us to kind of align ourselves to, to the character of Jesus Christ so that when God speaks, we know 
that it's what he wants us to do. Now, I said the totality of Scripture or, or in keeping with the character of Jesus because people have used the word to get whatever they want. You can proof text and make the word say anything, right? And people have done that through history. I heard about a sports person who, who quoted Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And they were a weightlifter, and they lifted it up, right? Oh, it was God that gave me the strength. Well, that's talking about suffering. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to go through suffering. That's the context of the passage. It's not talking about weightlifting. But that's what they used it for. How many of has this happened to you? That you're going through a hard time and someone, a well-meaning believer comes up, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who have been accorded and called according to his purpose. You're going through a tough time, a tough time, and somebody comes up and says, you know, Romans 8, 28, claim that voice. You know, it's, it's all going to turn out Okay. Well, Paul's talking in Romans 8 about eternity. He's not talking about the here and now. If you actually read the passage, but what you do is you pluck something out of the, the ether and you drop it into a situation and then you claim it as though this is the Word of God, right? That's why it's so dangerous. You look at the totality of Scripture. If you want to pluck verses of the Bible out like that, you could justify yourself from Ezra chapter 10 for divorcing your wife if she's from a different ethnic background. Do you know that? From Hosea 1, you could justify yourself marrying a prostitute. From Deuteronomy 7, you could kill off a whole nation. From Matthew 26, 11, you could ignore the poor because you'll always have them with you. And from Ephesians 6 verse 5, you can justify slavery, which is what the church did for years and years and years. Because you pluck something out and you go, there, this proves it. No, you look at the whole of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, the, the character of God. Is this something that God would approve of? Is this something that Jesus would do? And secondly, does it bring God glory? Is this something that really glorifies God, magnifies God, gives Him honor and glory? Hebrews 1, let me read it to you. It says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And then it carries on. Is it something that Jesus would do? Does it, Jesus lived his life to bring his father glory. Is what you think God is saying to you going to bring him glory? Or is it for your own benefit, your own glory? Who's going to get the honor? You or Jesus? That's the first thing. Can you say yes to that? The second thing is this. Do I sense God's peace? John 14, 27 says, My peace I leave with you. This, this is Jesus comforting his disciples when he's just told them he's going to go and die. And he says, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit that's going to help you in these moments. And he says in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There is a peace that God gives which is not affected by the circumstances that you find yourself in. Peace that we have in this world, human peace, is affected by what's going on around us, right? You can feel peace, and then chaos ensues, and the peace disappears, flies out the window. But Jesus' kind of peace, the spiritual peace that he gives to you, is a peace that is unaffected. You can go through the storm and be asleep in the boat. 
You can be there where Jesus is about to die and everything is going to change. And he said, I'm going to give you this kind of peace that will sustain you through all this. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. But there will be an inner, an inner calmness with you that comes from the Heavenly Father and from his throne room. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. You know, when I was growing up, when I was, uh, when I was younger, when I was in my, my teens, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. Everybody kept asking me, what are you going to do when you grow up? Horrible question, isn't it? Because most of my friends, you know, one friend, I'm going to be a doctor. Like, he was born to be a doctor. I think his first words was, I'm going to be a doctor, before he even said mama and dada, right? That's all I've ever known. Right? That's what he wanted to do. Another one, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And everybody asks me, what are you going to do? And it seems to be the standard question after the weather, you know, in Britain. Uh, what are you going to do? Or what do you do? I didn't know. I had no idea what I was going to do. So I went to some careers advice at school. That was completely useless, to be honest. No good at all. Milkman or a postman, I think they came up with. Not there's anything wrong with being a milkman or a postman, but I, that didn't sound right for me either. And I had no peace as to, like, I just didn't know. Not until when I was 20, and I went to Africa, and I went to Uganda, and was there as a missionary for a year. And when I was there, I landed, and I just went, this, it was like, this is the piece of the jigsaw puzzle that fits. This, this is where I'm supposed to be, Christian ministry. This is where there was a peace inside of me that I'd never known before. Because I knew that's where I needed to be. That's what I was supposed to be doing. That's where I fit in life. I'd, I'd gone to uni. I'd, I'd taken civil engineering. And I spent the whole time studying civil engineering saying, I don't want to be a civil engineer. Complete waste of time. Well, it wasn't a complete waste of time, but because I knew that there wasn't the right fit. And the peace that God brings is that kind of peace that you know this is right, that you know this is, it's like the piece of the jigsaw that fits into the gap and you go, it's, it's right. It's, it's just right. It might be tough. It might be difficult, the road that you're doing. It may be extremely difficult. It may be full of challenges, but you go through it because you know that this is the right place. This is what you should be doing. That's the peace that God brings. And if you don't have that peace with the word that God gives you, then alarm bells need to start ringing going, this is probably not from God. Because his word is always accompanied by his peace. He says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's like it's a guard for you. You know that it's okay, and there can be a storm around you, but it's guarding you. It's, it's kind of like they're protecting your heart and your mind, saying, this is where I should be, this is what I should be doing. The peace of God. Do I have peace about what he's saying to me? Do I sense it? Psalm 139 says, examine me, test my inmost thoughts. <coughs> Excuse me. The third thing, <coughs> the third thing we need to do is ask this question. <coughs> Excuse me a minute. The third thing is to say, does it make me more like Christ? Being with Christ 
Let me go back. It's like that picture. It's walking with him, <clears throat> journeying with him, walking alongside him. <clears throat> and the question is, if I go down this road, if I do what I believe God is telling me to do, does it make me more like Christ? Is it going to transform me more into Im his image? Is what I'm going to do help me to follow his lead? <coughs> Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, <coughs> then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. <coughs> in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Is that the result of what you're going to do? Are you going to be more of a disciple of Jesus Christ if you say yes? John 15, verse 2, he says, I cut off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit, I'm going to trim it and clean it so that it will bear even more fruit. Is this what the result will be? Now, this is where you need to ask a godly friend. Often when you're in these situations, you will not be able to see for yourself whether it makes you more like Christ. This is why Galatians 6.2, you bear one another's burdens. Go ask a godly friend, to be honest, to be open with you. I believe God is saying this to me, but if I go down this road, do you believe it will make me more like Christ or move me away from Christ? Will it draw me to Christ or will I be pulled away from Christ? What's it going to be? And I would counsel you here just to ask one godly friend. I know plenty of Christians. You know what they do? They go up and they say, Grace, what do you think about this? And then I don't like Grace's answer, so I go, Tim, what do you think about this? And I don't like Tim's answer, so I go, Jenny, what do you think, you know? And I keep on going until I get someone that agrees with really what I want to do in the first place, and then I went, aha, the, the, the God's speaking through them, which is what I wanted to do in the first place, and so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> don't do that. There's so many believers that do that. They just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. No. You got some godly friends. Just go to one of them and say, look, pray with me. Pray for this. I don't, I don't necessarily want an answer right now. I want you to go away and pray about it seriously, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you this because I, I, I believe that God's going to speak through you into my life because I don't want to get this wrong. Will it make me more like Christ? Does it agree with Scripture or not agree with Scripture? Am I proof texting or, or do you see the character of Jesus in all of this? Let me explain to you the peace that I feel. Ask God. Get that advice. You see, Proverbs says, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord in all your ways and lean not on your own understanding. You know, that's where a believer can help. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. That's why we have the church, so that we can discern and help one another together. Go ask someone, is this going to help me or is this going to hinder me? Because our goal, our heart, when God examines our heart, must be that we grow more like Jesus Christ through these things. God will never lead you in a pathway, I don't believe, where there's not an opportunity for growth. Because that's his desire for you. 
He, he wants you to grow and know him more and more and more. And every voice that he'll give you, every direction he'll give you will be one that will help you in that. Because that's his desire. Above everything else is intimacy with you, you with him. So ask those three questions and one last one. Now, I would suggest you do this if it's a big deal. If God is asking for a major decision that has major implications, always ask him to confirm it in a completely different way. What do I mean by that? I mean, you ask God and you say, Lord, this is what I believe that you're telling me to do. But I want you to just confirm it in something, someone, some way that is completely outside that I know has to come from you. God does that, you know that? He does that all the time. He looks at your heart. And he says, yeah, I, I can do that for you. Do you remember Gideon? That's what he did, wasn't it? He lay out a carpet, a fleece, and he said, God, you, you want me to go and attack these people? I need to be sure. I'm not just walking into no battle. We're, we're a puny army compared to them. I'm not doing this unless I know it's from you. So he said, I'm going to lay this fleece out. And, and in the morning, I want the ground wet and the fleece dry. And then he gets up in the morning and he goes, ah. No, the ground's wet and the fleece is dry. So he said, Lord, I'm not going to go into battle unless I know it's absolutely from you. So next morning, I want the, the ground dry and the fleece wet. And God does it. And then he goes, right, I know it's from you. So I know that the outcome is already established by you. Never, ever go off in some major direction without God confirming it. Just lay it before him. Say, Lord, please, I just want you to confirm this. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that I've heard from you right because I know that sometimes I listen to other voices. Sometimes I, I do things because I, I think they might be right. And then I get into a mess. Ever happened to you? And then why, God, did you get me into this mess? And God's going, I never told you to do that in the first place. Why didn't you ask me? Ask him to confirm. Ask him. Just say, Lord, if it's you, confirm it. Confirm it in a way that I, I'll never question, that I know that it's absolutely from you. This church has had so many visions over the years from different people. <laughs> there was a vision that was given to me. Not mine. Somebody told me about it. About fish running by outside in a stream. And in their vision, they just came up and they wrote it down. I asked people to write it down, so I collect them at home. They said, you know, they saw in their vision that the door opened. All of a sudden, there was all these fish, they said, running by outside. And they were standing up the front here, and the door opened. And the fish started coming in, and it was unstoppable, and they got scared. And they said they walked up on here like this, and they were still flapping in up the aisle here. And they got even more scared, and they ended up climbing on top of the organ console here because it was just unstoppable. And they said, I don't know, that's the vision that God gave me. And I wrote it down. I said, write it down for me. So they wrote it down. And I went, okay. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't do anything about it. I just... Well, okay, that's a signpost from God. That's what visions are. They're signposts that God gives us. And I went, okay, God, if that's what you want to do, that's amazing. A number of years later, we had a guy from Guatemala came over, did a worship night at Trinity. He wasn't even supposed to be doing it. I, I was, Ronnie was up the front doing the worship. It was a last-minute.com thing. He came over for an event in London. The guy 
said that God had told him not to go on and see his family in Italy where he had a plane ticket on Monday morning, but he needed to do a worship event at Trinity, or in, in London. And he phoned Ronnie up and Ronnie said, come to Trinity, do it here. So on the Tuesday night, he did it here. Got the kind of band together. I said to Ronnie, I'll do sound desk. Don't worry about sound, I'll do sound and lights and all that, I'll do that. You worry about the music, because it was last minute, right? No time to get any prep done. Guy turns up. He walks into Trinity Church and he said, this is the church. This is the place. He said, I've been praying for London for 10 years. And every time I close my eyes and pray, I've been seeing this church. And this is the church that I see in my vision when I pray about London and about what God wants to do in London. He said, this is it. Unbelievable, he said. This is why I had to stay. He comes in, he does his worship. And then he says, oh, I understand the pastor's in the house. I'm like, oh, no, right? He said, can the pastor come to the front? I'm like, no, I don't want to go to the front. I'm on the sound desk. I'm minding my own business. You know, I'm doing screens and other things back there. I'm busy. So Ronnie's like, come, come. So I come down to the front. And to be honest, I'm coming with a really bad attitude. I'm like, I don't want to come to the front. I was happy at the back. I come out to the front. He looks at me. He said, God's given me a vision for Trinity Church. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, I see a river running by outside with fish going down it. And he said, you know what? The door's going to burst open and those fish are going to come in and it's going to be unstoppable. And he said, I'm going to walk back up on here because there's going to be so many fish. And I'm going like, hang on a minute. I never told anybody that. There is no way some guy from Guatemala would know that same vision that was given to me that I have written down and put in a folder from years before. But that's what God does when he says, it was basically God going, whick, 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 listen, stop being so stubborn and irritating and wanting to stay at the back, listen to what he's got to say. And then he went on and he shared a whole load of other things about this church. That's what God does. That's what he can do when you ask him to confirm. When you ask him to say, Lord, what is it you want us to do? And you just ask. I'm going to ask Alex to come up as we close today. You know, a while ago, ages ago, 15 years ago, I was preaching from here. And you know, I looked up and I saw a balcony across, built from that pillar there across to that pillar there, full of people praising God. They were just worshiping God. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to build no balcony. We're, it's painful enough building all this other stuff, right? Building projects are, are a lot of work, a lot of hardship, a lot of pain, a lot of sleepless nights. And we, we built all of this, you know, or God built all of this. I don't need no other building project. It put me right off the sermon. Nobody noticed particularly, but I just, like, it was going like, I'm not preaching on that. Like, what's going on? So I stored it. I just wrote it down and I stored it. A few weeks later, about two or three weeks later, we had a visitor come from north. I think he was from Leeds. He just came. He sat actually where you're sitting right there. That's where he was. And he came in. He said, I, he, said he came up to me afterwards. He was shaking. And he, he, he said to me, he goes, um, um, he said, I, I, I've never happened to me before, but he said, I was just looking around the church here, like during the worship. He said, and I saw a balcony at the back of the church, like from that pillar to that pillar, going up full of people. And he said, I've never had a vision in my life, and to be honest, I'm a bit upset I'm going now. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, who are you anyway? I don't even recognize who you are. He said, I'm just down on business. Business overran, had to stay in London for the weekend, got a meeting tomorrow, and then I'm going home. He said, I hope that never happens to me again, but I hope it means something to you. I'm out of here. And he left. And I went, oh, interesting. See, that's what God does. 
Was it last year? Year before last. Year before last, I'm praying again. I'm saying, Lord, he's, he's confirmed it over and over again since that time. And I said, Lord, one last time, is that what you want me to do? Do you want us to build this thing? Like, because I, I don't want to build it if we don't need to build it. I don't want to do anything outside of the line of what God wants us to do, right? What a waste of time and energy and money if God is not telling us to do it. Complete and utter waste. We've got more important things to do with us. So I was sitting at home. I was in the study at home, and I was just praying, Lord, I know you've confirmed it time and time again, more than twice, three or four times. But if you really, really, really want us to do that, Confirm it one more time for me, and I'll never ask you again. Let me pass you over to Alex. I only asked him as he came to church today, by the way. I haven't prepped him with this. What happened? <laughs> um, yeah, what happened? Uh, we were having some, um, oh, this was in lockdown, after lockdown. We were um, having some electrical works done here over a n number of months. And... Uh, um, the high parts of the, the building they needed to bring a, a cherry picker in, which was, um, yeah, logistically quite a nightmare. But anyway, they finally got the cherry picker in. And uh, I watched the guys move around this cherry picker. And uh, I, I'm always one for a little bit of adventure. So um, I was like, oh, I'd love to get on that cherry picker, you know, um, and get up there. And then anyway, I watched the young guy moving around. Anyway, we got to a point where they'd done most of the work and... Um, Pastor David then said, oh, yeah, well, we've got the cherry picker here. We could open it another week. Or we decided between us we could do some sort of high-rise cleaning, you know? Should go around and, because going on the ladder, so I suppose most of you can see very high, especially in the eaves here and the windows. And I was like, okay. So, um, you know, it was pretty straightforward, this, uh, the operation of this cherry picker, you know, uh, the guy showed me, and uh, after a while, I was like zooming around. <laughs> hey, I've got it, you know? This is great. So I started cleaning along, and it, was, it took about, I think, about two days, two, three days, uh, first day. And um, yeah, uh, I, I, we all go for different sort of moods and places. I was in a really, you know, Pastor David knows, he kind of knows me when I'm in a great mood and knows me when I'm in a really bad place, you know? And I was in a really good place. I was singing every day and coming in and praising God and doing whatever else. And, and as I was going along doing it, and I was looking at this uh, window, and I was really excited. I was getting, the, I even thought about it the day before. I think, oh, tomorrow I'm going to be cleaning the big window. Nobody's cleaned that probably in 200 years because it's that dirty. <laughs> I can see how dirty it was. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get the cherry pick. I'm going to be going right up. So that's all I was thinking. Anyway, I came in the morning really quite joyful um, singing hymns and it, sometimes they just they just come out at me and so I was singing along and singing away got the cherry picker got all my bits and pieces and really um, yeah getting prepared to clean this part and I got right to the very got the cherry and it's like going up further and further cleaning bits got right into the very eaves and I'm like oh my god this is amazing I'm the highest point of the church, and yeah, so it, it's on a platform. So I'm cleaning the top, really dirty and everything. I said, it, it was unbeknown to me, and this is totally unbeknown. Pastor David wasn't here that day. Um, I found all the bits after. I thought, and I didn't even think about it. I can't actually remember really thinking. I was just in that space, and I went right to the very edge of the, the cherry pick. So it's on a platform. So I came sort of to the edge of it, looking down, and I could see the crucifix, and I was at the very top. I mean, I could literally touch the ceiling where I was, and uh, it was amazing. And I uh, just remember taking a picture, and I, I, I take, we all take pictures of ourselves. I don't really like many pictures of myself, a lot of, most of them, because if you look at a picture, other person might look at a picture of you and think to yourself, I think, oh, that's a nice picture. But you know where you are when you see that picture. You know what your mood is. You know what your state of mind and your state of emotion and your state of whatever else is. You know. Maybe not everybody else will see it. Your wife might know it. 
Your kids might know it, might know it, but you really do know it. Anyway, I knew when I took this picture, I just didn't really think I just put on it balcony view. That's all I remember putting. And I sent it immediately to Pastor David. And um, yeah, I looked at the picture after I thought, I like this picture. I really was happy in this picture. Joy. That's all I could tell you that I had at that time was joy. Real joy. Within, I can't remember how, what period of time, I got a message back from Pastor David saying, um, oh, I think it was the next day, uh, so this is, it's prophetic. It meant nothing to me, to be honest with you. It meant nothing. And I'll leave it there, I think. Thanks, Alex. You know, the moment he sent that picture was the moment I was in the study and I said, Lord, send me one more sign. And my phone went bing, bing. And that was his picture, his mugshot, going balcony view. That's what God can do. When you're open and you just say, Lord, I don't want to make a mistake, confirm it. He just keeps on confirming it till you do it. Thank you, Alex. And he uses other people, other situations to come in and do that because he wants to bless them as well as bless you. Four things. Does it agree with the totality of Scripture? Is it in character with Jesus? Do you get a sense of God's peace? Is it something that just doesn't go away? but that just stays with you until it's sorted? Does it make me more like Christ and ask God to independently confirm? If you can say yes to all those things, then you're pretty sure it's God's voice. Then you're on solid ground. But if you have no's, don't do it. If you have questions, if there is a anxiety about it, if there is something within you that's questioning it, then wait for him to confirm it absolutely and tick all the boxes. Because if you're like me, what you want to do is walk with him. You want to be saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening walking and journeying with him to where he wants you to go, being obedient to his word, doing what he's asking you to do for his honor and for his glory. I thank God that he doesn't leave us guessing, but he's a God that will give you that assurance when you come with an open heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the more we hear your voice, the more we recognize your voice. And the more we know it's you. But I thank you too that we have these tools that you've given to us to help us confirm that this is your will. I know that today there are people here that are questioning, that are kind of going, I am not sure what I should do in this situation. Lord, may they apply these four things. Is it in keeping with your character? Do they have peace in their heart, that, that peace of God that transcends, that stays, that isn't temporary, that isn't about coming and going, but it's just there. Will it bring you glory and honor? Does it, does it make me more like you when I say yes? And Lord, if, if there are situations here that people don't understand, Lord, I ask today that you will confirm it in a way that is completely separate, that they just park it for a minute until you say, you tell them in a completely different way. This is what I want you to do. Lord, you're not a God of mystery. You're not a God that, that, that asks us to guess and hope for the best.
He said, I lead my sheep. I am the good shepherd. And the sheep know my voice, and I lead them. Lord, that means that we follow you because you are in control. You are leading us. And therefore, we, we're listening to your voice. Lord, if there's anyone here, I think there are people here today, I know there are, that are asking you for direction. I pray that you will have spoken into their hearts and lives today. And Lord, confirm your direction in a, in a completely different way, in a completely way that's outside. If it takes a guy from Guatemala coming and saying the same thing, if it, if it takes an angel to come down and visit them, Lord, do that, whatever it takes, because we want to be obedient to you. We want to thank you. We want to praise you. And we want to just lift one another to you now. And Lord, as we pray for ourselves, so we pray for those that are sitting in the same row as us or just around about us. Lord, we're a family together. We lift each one to you. Help us to hear your voice clearly. Lord, we don't want to go wrong. We want to, don't want to go down some rabbit trails that end in a dead end, a cul-de-sac, that we have to turn around in humility and come back to you. We just want to be holding your hand. And you lead us. Whether it's beside still waters or through the valleys, lead us.